circles go, go, go. All together fight the foe, foe, foe. Scoring touchdowns for the blue on blue. The Argos will win for you. Full of fight and courage, you can't stop. They pile up the points until they reach the top. Pull together till the gray cups pop. Go Argos, go, go, go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of the Argo Bounce live audio show here on the Saturday, November 4th, 2023. And I'm um, looking forward to speaking to Nick tonight about the uh, Argos 16-2 uh, and two season and talk about the East and West semifinals as well. I'm going to bring Nick on, and we're just waiting for a guest to come on as well. So I'm going to bring on Nick, if Nick can maybe talk for a couple minutes, as I'm going to try to get our guest to come on. Hey, Nick, how you doing, buddy? Doing fine, Chris. We picked up another win. We set our franchise record. And uh, we, well, that was last week. Our new opponent, now that we know who we are facing in the East Final, the Montreal Alouettes managed to defeat the Hamilton Tiger Cats by a healthy 27-12. to 12. And um, right now, live as we're watching here, recording here, um, late in the fourth, 41, Calgary 19. So it looks like BC will most likely play uh, Winnipeg in the West final. So we're getting a pretty clear picture now on what the playoffs are looking for um, coming into the finals this coming week. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today. And uh, we're just going to have our guest on in just a minute. I just got to send him the link. Uh, I tried to send it to him on uh, Twitter, but sometimes Twitter is very funny with links. So I'm going to just email him the link. And uh, our guest is going to be Marty York, former sports journalist with the Globe and Mail, TSN, Sportsnet, Metro newspapers across Canada, and he's a big CFL fan. So we'll get Marty's thoughts on the Argonaut 16 and 2 season and today's uh, playoff games as well. I just sent him the link. So hopefully, Marty York will join us in a few minutes. And anybody watching this live stream right now on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter slash X, I still call it Twitter. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, please uh, send us a message. Or you guys can text me at 
888-820-7188. I know there's some Tiger Cat fans out there that wanted a platform tonight to vent on their team's uh, frustration again as the Hamilton Tiger Cats lost 27-12 to to Montreal for the second straight year in the East semifinals and in a year they were expected to go to the Great Cup since they were hosting it. Uh, Nick, thoughts on the uh, Montreal-Hamilton game as we wait for Marty York to come on? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to watch the game uh, live. I had uh, another commitment. Uh, yeah, it's weird for me because I usually put CFL football at number one. But uh, yeah, I had another commitment, so I didn't get to check out the entire listening to it on radio through the uh on tsn 690 i believe is the montreal uh station so i listened through that and it was about the halfway through the third quarter where montreal was leading um uh but hamilton was still within reach of coming back and um noticeably when i it was right as Fajardo had the drive where he gave up the turnover and what i think really summed up the thing with hamilton's uh uh uh, performance in this game was just they they lacked the offensive uh drive Fire and the pirates. ability to really um finish plays and 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 score points score touchdowns when they needed on legio and when i look at it kind of in the post game statistics like it it wasn't Schultz's best game. Uh, uh, Thirteen for twenty three, one hundred forty four yards, one INT when he got um, pulled. Bo came in really late in the fourth, and it 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 was kind of lost at that point. It was it wasn't reasonable to fourth quarter. I don't I don't blame too much on Bo. Um, but then I look at like the the performance of the receive the receivers in the rushing game. Butler was okay, uh, 83 yards, 13 carries. That's reasonable. But then you look at the receiving core, and I think that's where you really see the big differences. Like, Eater, and he was only targeted four times, two receptions, 37 yards. You look at other guys, uh, Keandre Smith, um, seven of four targets for 31 yards. And I, I think James, uh, James Butler, Four for two, eight yards, and Tim White targeted three times, not a single catch. The guy probably up there as one of the the more recognizable receivers. One reception, or one pass for two. All right, Nick. I'm gonna. Match. Anyways, Nick, I'm gonna bring her a guest. He just came on. His name is Marty York. He's a former longtime sports journalist with the Globe and Mail. Met read of his articles many years with TSN, Sportsnet, uh, Metro newspapers across Canada. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Marty on our show tonight. Hi, Marty. How you doing? Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. And my co-host is Nick Small. He's a huge Argo fan and CFL fan too. Hi, Nick. Hey, Marty. Notice, notice the hat my son got me. Ah, uh, very nice. Go Argos. <laughs> well, Marty, I, I was going to, so go ahead. I was just going to say, I, you know, even after my journalistic career, uh, I still try to stay somewhat neutral and objective. Um, so uh, I'm just wearing this hat because uh, my son got it for me. <laughs> Definitely. It has good uh, taste. <laughs> But, uh, hey, Marty, I was going to say uh, thank you so much on behalf of Nick and myself for coming on the Argo Bounce Live audio show. And uh, did you what – were, were, what were your thoughts – before we get to the Argonauts, what were your thoughts on the East semifinal game today and the uh, West game going on so far, which I think BC's turned it into a blowout, which I predicted? Yeah, I did too. But, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Chris. And second of all, um, I was uh, – 
I was kind of disappointed with the uh, uh, Tiger Cats performance today. You know, I, I uh, for fun on uh, on uh, X, which is formerly Twitter, I always uh, have for about I don't know 25, 30 years now, uh, probably even longer, uh, done my CFL weekly picks against the spread. And I just had a hunch because I've seen this kind of thing happen so many times in yesteryear when uh, a team bounces back from being uh, defeated three times in a regular season as Hamilton was by Montreal. And I just thought that today I had this hunch that they would put it together and upset um, Montreal because I don't think Montreal is that solid a team. And um, if you recall, guys, at the beginning of the year, Hamilton was was forecast by most of us to win the East Division, not the Argos, but the Ticats. And um, uh, they didn't come anywhere close to achieving anything in the regular season. And they certainly fell flat on their faces today in Montreal. And I would definitely suspect that there will be a coaching change. I've known Orlando Steinhauer for a, for a long time. I covered him when he was a player, and good guy. he's a he is a good guy, but he's got to be responsible for a fiasco of a season in Hamilton. And they also they got some issues with uh, the quarterbacks too. He, he signed Bo Levi Mitchell f- to a three year contract, big money to be your franchise quarterback, and yeah. he doesn't come into the game until six forty two left in the game. And to me, I thought they waited too long to switch over to Mitchell to try yeah, to get that you, offense going. You're not a, you're not alone, my friend. That's exactly what uh, people I've talked to this afternoon think. Uh, it is. That's a common feeling. I don't know what was going on there. I mean, if uh, if they were going to take advantage of Mitchell's experience, not that he's been very good himself. He hasn't been very effective in a couple of years now, and he's been hurt a lot. And even last week when he got an opportunity to return and, and start that game in, in Montreal, he didn't look very sharp. I thought the idea of starting Schiltz was a good one because – most games that I've seen him play, um, he's been very effective, but he was having great trouble today. And uh, I think you mentioned it earlier on your podcast here that, uh, you know, Tim White, uh, I mean, was was not used at all. This guy led the league in receiving. Invisible. So, and same with Godwin. They have some nice receivers. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And and Godwin's good. <laughs> I like Smith. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I, I thought this, you know, I thought they would be effective today. I really did, but uh, they didn't come close. Montreal and kudos to Montreal. They had, they did have a good game today. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I've had Tommy Condell on, good guy, and I think he'll be back in football. But I don't think he was all responsible for their issues. I think there's more issues with the Tiger Cats' offense than just Tommy Condell's play calling, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I saw the offensive line break down quite a bit. Uh, as well, and and that forced Schiltz to throw up, to 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 toss up some balls that were pretty errant, and uh, uh, so there is, I think, some weakness on that offensive line. God bless Chris Van Zale. He's been around for what 15 years. Um, wow. Yeah, a long but, time. Yeah, but he had to come in today 
I could see every single play he was asking the linemen next to him what they were running. He, you know, he wasn't part of the Hamilton team. He, they just had to bring him back as a, as a, uh, an insurance uh, lineman. And sure enough, someone got hurt and that line broke down even more. Van Ziel was in there and he, you know, I mean, he, listen, he's, he's probably a hall of famer, but he couldn't handle that position there tonight. That defensive line with Montreal was making Schultz hurry, uh, Schultz hurry up and, uh, and Bo Levi Mitchell didn't do you know anything either, but they didn't give him much of an opportunity. I agree with you. He came in too late. Is this possibly Nick? Give me a second, and I'll let Nick do some talking too, because he's a great co-host and he loves the Argos and CFL. Is there a possibility that that could have been the last game we see Bo Levi Mitchell play as a quarterback, or do you think he still wants to play? And uh, I know one of the guys, Samori Samori Lawrence, has already come out and said to Matthew Shinetti after the game that this isn't the end of him. He wants to come back next year season as well. Yeah, uh, well, Lawrence is another uh, future Hall of Famer. The guy has the most tackles in uh, in Hamilton Tiger Cat franchise history, Chris. So I, you know, he, and he's still fine. He's still a good player. I'd like to have him myself if I were running a team. Bo Levi's a different story. I don't know what's going on, but you know, Dave Dickinson, despite what's happening with the Calgary Stampeders today and even this whole season is an astute football guy. I mean, he's, he's brilliant. And, uh, you know, he would not have agreed, and neither would Huffnagel, to unload uh, Mitchell for mayor if, uh, you know, if, if they didn't think the writing was on the wall for him. So I didn't think that he would be ineffective with uh, Hamilton. Uh, he got hurt. And I think now in his, you know, later years, I think, look, he's going to the Hall of Fame too. Um, but his career, it may be over, but he's also, uh, from what I understand, I know there's no such thing as guaranteed contracts in the CFL, but from what I understand, they're committed to paying him quite a bit. So uh, I guess we'll find out if, if uh, he's back. But yeah, to answer your question quickly here, yes, I think there's a good chance he won't be back. All right, Nick, uh, what are your thoughts on the, the game between Montreal and Hamilton? And do you have some uh, questions or comments for Marty? Yeah, um, I have to. I have. I think that with regards to Bo Levi Mitchell, I, I, and that it's a multi-year contract, I still expect him to return for Hamilton next year. Whether or not um, he's going to fall within that role as, as being the guy, as this main starter, or if he'll slip back and maybe be more of a mentor coach. Um, I think that might be something that we'll have to wait a bit in the off season to see the other thing too, with that pending coaching change out of the coaching side and go into the management, um, own president side. Could we see, um, uh, 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 Scott Milanovic move in and be the be the head coach. Scott has worked with uh, veteran quarterbacks, guys with experience before. The guy I think of is is Ricky Ray when he was going from kind of a, his his prime into his later years. So I could see um, I, I could see him as someone who's able to coach someone who's in that same sort of situation. When I look at the stat sheet from the game, um, I'll have to preface this. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but I I didn't get a chance to actually watch the game. 
fourth quarters on the way home. Um, but I, um, one thing I noticed looking at the stat sheet now, the O-line gave up five sacks to Montreal. Yeah. And one thing my dad, who watched the, the game on TV when I got back, he mentioned was that they interviewed Sean Lem before the game, and he asked, yeah. a sack more uh, sack tonight, uh, uh, Shelter or Bo Levi Mitchell? And he said both. And, yeah. he, and he got a sack against each of them. So, That's yeah, definitely the old line is is I think a big problem right now in Hamilton. They're in like they 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 focused on signing some big name guys like Bo Levi Mitchell at quarterback, but they didn't build the foundation around them. The old allows teams to succeed. And by contrast, you see the you see the example in Toronto what they've set where their old line is is some insane ratio like plus fifty sack differential on the on the. O line versus D line. So by that ability, you're you're you get more opportunities. You're let, you're you're providing more protection to your quarterback. You're allowing, especially with somebody who's frail, like you need that that strong O line in front of them. And I think Hamilton just sort of failed to to build that around them this year. And I think if they're looking, especially if they're looking to keep Bo around next year, you got to build that O line base even more. Well, those are a good point, uh, Nick. I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. As I said a little earlier, the offensive line is like paper mache there in, in Hamilton. And I think that that's a large reason why they were so overwhelmed today uh, in this game, which, again, surprised me. But, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Milanovic, and I just, I'll comment quickly on that. Um, you know, I suppose it is a possibility that he could take over in Hamilton. He certainly has the resume. He certainly has the experience in in the CFL. But um, I keep hearing uh, other things about him. In fact, I hear he's really high up on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders coaching uh, wanted list. Let's so, uh, pardon? Yeah, I was going to say Saskatchewan's looking for a, a head coach too. Right, that's right, and so I, I think, uh, I think Milanovic may be in a pretty good position because the truth is there simply aren't that many head coaches out there in the primes of their, of their careers, let's say, with a lot of experience, and you know, experience in the CFL is always such a prerequisite. So uh, I think Milanovic may end up having a, a choice. I don't know if he'll want to stay in Hamilton. It just doesn't seem to have that much upside. Mind you, some changes might uh, trigger some uh, positive news there. I don't know. But I want to throw something at you guys because both of you love the CFL. Go ahead, and, Marty. And and this is something that um, I was thinking about this week. Um, I know Wally Buono is, is, you know, he's up there at age, but he's still sharp. And he is the winningest coach in CFL history. I mean, why why not try him again? I mean, Marv Levy was coaching in his 70s, 70s. And yes. 80s. <laughs> like, yes. I, Age I is just a number. Age is just a number. Right. And I so I, you know, I mean, if you're a winner, like Buono has been everywhere he coached, he won. Um, I don't think anybody knows the game better than him. So, Absolutely. so I don't know. I'd throw him in the mix. I really would. I mean, he 
in either Hamilton or Saskatchewan. Imagine what, you know how they love their football, their CFL in Saskatchewan. Oh, yes. Imagine what they if Wally went there and turned that program around and they started winning. <laughs> Can you imagine what an icon he would be there? Absolutely. I follow his daughter, Christy, on social media. Yeah. She said his dad's only been to a couple games, but when he's sitting down, he's still like he's coaching and you can't ever get you can you can retire from coaching but you can't ever take the coaching out of that person and i agree i if if wally feels up to it physically and mentally yeah. um, well, I, I would have a problem with him great. coming back he looks great uh in fact christy posted uh something uh um on x of her and her father attending an arizona cardinals nfl game yes and um, he was great. He, you know, he walks better than I do, and he's a lot older than me. So <laughs> he's, uh, I think he's a special guy, and I'd love, 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 love to see him back in the CFL. I just think he was a great coach. Nick, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, not to be sound like I'm just playing devil's advocate, but I don't know. I, I, I don't really see that he'll that he'll be into doing something. BC I was still. Sorry, Nick. I, I just want to tell you, I suggested it on on X, and he liked the the uh, the tweet. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. I mean, I I don't know. It might have been different if it was like Calgary or or uh, or BC or Montreal, who he had previous ties to. I don't know about I don't know about either ha Hamilton or Saskatchewan cu uh, coming with the without the same kind of level. I understand what they you're did. saying, but you know, he went to BC without any. Mind you, it was a few years ago, no question. But he did go to BC without any previous experience there, other than being a visiting coach and visiting player. Um, so, I mean, if he's as fit as I think he is, and I'm told he is, then I don't see why he couldn't adapt quickly to either one of those two locations. Yeah, Marty, Marty, and Nick, I want to throw two names out to you guys. Uh, okay. We got a great conversation going here. Uh, there's two guys I, I think could make good head coaches in the CFL: Henry Burris and Anthony Coville. Uh, just thoughts, Marty and Nick. Okay, well, uh, first of all, Chris, uh, I remember you know I know both of them very well, and uh, not to you know not the name drop or anything, but you know those two guys were premier quarterbacks in the in the time that I covered the league, which was for three, three or four decades. And, um, and, you know, became friendly with both of them. And both of them told me they had aspirations. Anthony Calvillo would undoubtedly want to be a head coach someday. Um, you know, he's been, a, he's been an offensive coordinator and, uh, and a coach uh, for both Montreal and Toronto for, for many years. And every assistant coach wants to ultimately be promoted to head coach. AC is no different. Um, and I think he'd be fine. Uh, you know, he certainly has the acumen. Um, Henry Burris also is a is a is really brilliant. And believe me, I don't go around stroking guys. <laughs> it's not my nature. But he's but he's a uh, He's also a very, very, very smart guy. He's had some coaching experience now in the NFL. But um, I, I can remember when I was on the panel at, uh, at TSN, Henry Burris would tell me that's what he ultimately wanted to do. And he did do it for a little while after he retired as a quarterback. 
And I think I haven't talked to him in a while other than through social media. Uh, but I think he's turned his attention on, uh, on coaching. So, I mean, if he wants to do it, I don't see why he wouldn't be a good candidate as well. I mean, we see, we've seen other guys, contemporaries of both Calvillo and Burris. I mean, we've seen Kahari Jones coach. I thought he was quite good, uh, but I know he got fired yesterday as the offensive coordinator in Ottawa, but that was because he wasn't getting along with Bob Dice. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also, uh, you know, we see Jason Moss and we see uh, Dave Dickinson and, we, you know, all these guys were star quarterbacks against guys like Burris and Anthony Calvillo. So I can see both of them quarterbacking, uh, uh, sorry, coaching. Uh, as head coaches, the way that those other guys do. I'm glad you brought up Kahari Jones because he was someone that came to my mind first as for Saskatchewan. He'd be someone who I could see fill the role in Hamilton, particularly because um, after he got let go by Montreal, he won't join Hamilton staff. So that that kind of thing was something I thought of as a potential role filler in that sort of offensive coordinator head coach position should Steinauer move up or Milanovic move out. That, I mean, that's a really good point, Nick. I, um, Kahari Jones, probably just because he's experienced, uh, he was good in Montreal. I thought as a head coach, I know that he got a, he got Ken there because they wanted changes. Machocha came in and, and new ownership and all that kind of stuff. But, I think Kahari Jones was was a perfect example of a a very good player turning into a very good head coach. I still think he's uh, he's capable of being a good coach. Uh, and you're right, he did fill in or he did uh, work in Hamilton for a little while. He knows the ins and outs of Hamilton. Uh, the problem with him in Ottawa, clearly, and I saw them, uh, I saw him and Bob Dice squabbling on the sidelines on uh, several occasions because, you know, Akari was just sort of sent in there last minute. He has his own way of doing things. Um, and Bob Dice didn't understand it. And they would actually bicker with each other right on the sideline about what play to use. And Kahari would say, Hey, let me decide this. Cause I, I don't blame him for doing that, but um, clearly uh, he needs a head coaching position that, you know, I think he's another guy who has to be interviewed. Absolutely. Hey, I'm just going to give you guys an update. BC's got the 41 points and they're going to most likely win, but the Calgary Stampeders just got a touchdown to make it 41-30. And you know what? I didn't even think the score would be that close, but you got to give the uh, Calgary Stampeders credit for uh, uh, at least making it somewhat competitive. And and since I have you on here, Marty, I want to get your thoughts on the Calgary-BC game. And obviously it's going to be BC-Winnipeg next week. And also I want to ask you and Nick about what challenges – this Alouettes team can give the Argos that they didn't do last year in the East final. Okay. Who goes first? Nick, you want to go first? Um, yeah, well, I had, I've had the game on every BC game up until we started recording. I've, I turned it off, uh, save some bandwidth and, and focus more on our show. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's been a really exciting game. Uh, my dad told me, uh, put it bluntly that he thought the Montreal Hamilton game was a little, little boring at times with it being kind of low scoring, not, not many touchdowns, especially on a 
watching the BC game, it was it was really back and forth and, and really intense in that that first bit, um, especially when Calgary scored that touchdown on the first drive. But uh, Vernon Adams has as um, you look at sort of his ties with Kahari Jones back in Montreal and how um, their their careers were kind of cut together, where when right. uh, um, Adams got traded and then. Um, uh, yeah, Kahari Jones got fired as head coach. Um, Adams has still been able to succeed now in BC with leading uh, uh, since since then, and uh, I think he's he's shown like especially with the leg brace off, he's he's shown that he's full one hundred percent ready to go, and he's doing whatever it takes to win. So I'm I'm really excited by that. Um, and then if we switch gears and we talk a little bit about Montreal um, coming in to play Toronto. I think what you see right now out of Montreal is that they're definitely a much better team defensively the way they've played and they've managed. They man but shutting down Matt is going to be a far different task uh, coming this week if you're going to try to shut down um, Chad Kelly. Like we looked at how, um, uh, Chris, you mentioned the stat before we started recording where I think um, um, Sean Lemon has had 11 sacks in the in last 14, 14 games. 14 games, yeah. He's had one of them against Toronto. So um, I I think that the it's it's a different beast. You've got a much better O-line in Toronto, and you've got a much diverse receiving core. We've seen in Toronto that, that yeah, Duvall overall targets and, and yards, but – Chad Kelly seems to always find the open guy and he's not afraid to throw to him down the field. So um, I, I think it's going to be a very, a very different task trying to shut down uh, the Argonauts offense. And then defensively, I mean, Fajardo, he, he only, he only put up like 230 yards. I want to say something in that ballpark Two twelve, and this game 15 for 23, the Argos D will absolutely eat you alive. If you just throw the short four yard check downs, it, percent of your passes but they're going to go nowhere down the field so um as long as the argos play their play their systems which they've been all year and um, with their top string guys no less i'm i'm not particularly worried about the rust or, or anything else i think i think on paper they're still a far better team and and holding fajardo to two in toronto should should be no problem well, I, uh, you know, you covered a lot there, and I agree with almost everything that you said. I, uh, I'd be stunned if the Argos couldn't get past Montreal again. They beat them, what, three or three times this year mm -hmm. during the regular season. I know a couple of the games were close, but um, while Montreal, you know, is, has exceeded my expectations this season, they're still a second-place team, and the Argos – are in that uh, elite three, let's say. Um, uh, you know, it's them, it's uh, Winnipeg, and it's BC. And by the way, the Lions just ended that game. It is 41-30 final. And um, uh, the Lions are an exceptional team. I think Rick Campbell is a great coach. Um, and I think Vernon Adams got a raw deal, much like you just said, Nick, uh, in Montreal, very similar to what happened with Kahari Jones. I don't get it. I still don't get what happened there. But Jason Moss has done a good job, and the Alouettes, mm -hmm. uh, you can't take anything away from them. I do think they're going to run into uh, 
a, a dead end in Toronto next week because this Toronto team, unless we see a shocker, uh, is destined, <laughs> has been destined since the first game, I think, this year to go to the Great Cup game. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to look ahead and say, okay, um, Toronto wins that game next week against Montreal. And then I say they, you know, they'll represent the East in the Great Cup. I think the Winnipeg-BC game could be a classic next week. Uh, Absolutely. I think think that's going to be – I think Vernon Adams had his best game as a CFLer today, especially in that first half. He was unreal today. I've always thought he's a good quarterback for the CFL. He's, uh, you know, he's too small for the NFL. But, you know, I could see that guy being – uh, giving a Winnipeg fits next week. Uh, Chris, I know that you think similar uh, thoughts. Absolutely. And uh, he looks healthy. And the thing is, he can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs. And yeah. I think he's and, – and Marty and Nick, sometimes quarterbacks just need to be with the right team and the right coach and the right system. And I think yeah. – this was the best thing that happened to Vernon Adams going to BC. And at the time, BC fans were like, oh, we lost Nathan Rourke. But I don't hear anybody in BC right now complaining about how much they miss Nathan Rourke. No disrespect to Nathan Rourke. It's just this is the kind of season he's had, uh, Vernon Adams Jr. And I think BC has an excellent football club. And I think they have a very good chance of going into Winnipeg and upsetting. I know they'll be the underdogs, but I, I think it could be a classic game uh, next week with BC-Winnipeg. As for Toronto-Montreal, I still think the Alouettes are a better team than they were last year, and I think William Stanback could be an X factor in this game. I do think the Argos' defense has one weakness. I think you can run on them, and I think Stanback can do that. And I think if the Alouettes can control the clock – I think that's their best chance because if Kelly and that offense is on the field for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, uh, the Argos are going to get too many opportunities to score. That's just my take on it. Well, that's why they play the game. And uh, I, I, I stand back did look good today, but you know, the Toronto defense is uh, there. It's, it's underrated because not all of those guys on that defense are household names. In fact, I don't think any are maybe one or two. Um, you know, for real CFL fanatics, uh, but they're solid, solid defense. I cannot see uh, that offense of Montreal uh, succeeding, even stand back. Uh, I can see him getting a few yards, but not many. I do want to say this real quickly about Vernon Adams. While he had an exceptional game today, and while there were many exceptional games that he had during the course of the season, and he can run, he showed today he runs better than I thought he could, and he he does have a good arm. But he does he's he is inconsistent, and he has thrown in a few clunkers. So uh, going into Winnipeg, uh, he has to be on his A game. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's you know don't forget he threw five interceptions. Against Toronto. Toronto, yes. In Toronto, yeah. So, I mean, Winnipeg's defense, don't like, don't underestimate the Bombers. This is a very, very good team, too, I think. And uh, I think the Bombers are going to beat the Lions in that game. Um, but they have a chance. The Lions, if they play, if the Lions play like they did today, but there's a big difference between Calgary and Winnipeg. 
and Winnipeg. Absolutely. And uh, Calgary, this was their worst team, I think, in 20 years. Yeah, they and barely made the playoffs. Absolutely. Hey, Marty, are you okay for a few more minutes and a few more questions? A few more, yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, in terms of all-time Toronto Argonaut teams, um, Marty, uh, where does this team rank with the franchise record setting 16-2 and regular season? Wow, that's a great question, Chris. I mean, the numbers, if you want to go by the numbers alone, they speak for themselves, right? Because they tied um, the CFL record and they set a franchise record, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, from that perspective, you have to say this is the best Argo team in history. Um, and they won the Grey Cup last year. They're defending champs. So I don't know how this is possible, but they're underrated. This is a team that, you know, has broken records. Uh, uh, Kelly surfaces to the, I mean, he's the MVP, MOP, sorry, of the league. There's no question that he's the best player in the league. And <laughs> how did this all happen? And, and I think the guy who doesn't get enough credit for the Argos' success is Pinball Clemens. And uh, I remember breaking the story that he was going to be a head coach of the Argos way back when I found out before anyone else did. And we broke the story in the Globe and I think on TSN as well. And um, uh, people doubted it. You know, they questioned my accuracy. They said, there's no way Pinball Clemens can't be a good coach. Well, not only was he a great coach, great coach, underrated great coach. Not only was he a great player, everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. But he's a great general manager, president, executive in the CFL. And he, you know, he has something to do with recruiting these guys. And he doesn't get much credit for that kind of thing. These guys on this team have set records and they're favored to win the Grey Cup. So, again, so you've got to give him some of the credit. For, uh, how does it rank with other teams? I mean, I saw some teams that are that were terrific. I mean, I was a, I saw the '83. I was a young reporter, but I saw the '83 uh, Argos. You know, with some of my favorite people of all time, Hank Elisic's one of my best friends, um, and uh, you know, there was Holloway and Barnes and Minter Greer, and, and Terry Greer, Greer and Ferroni. I mean, I, this was a great, great team with Obilovich coaching. Uh, I didn't even mention. Ago. I didn't even mention the defense. So that was a good team too. But this one has all the records. It's so hard to compare because it's a different era. It's Things era. changed. I mean, I don't think the competition is as good in the CFL as it was back then. I'm sorry to say that, but that's the truth. I, in my mind, I just don't think that uh, the talent level is as high as it used to be in the CFL. And part of that has to do with the NFL. And I'll, I'll try to explain quickly. Um, years ago, you had uh, some of the top quarterbacks in the CFL who weren't getting a chance in the NFL to play because they were black and simple as that. There was a racism issue in the mm -hmm. NFL. And so guys like Warren Moon and Conrad Holloway and Damon Allen and Tracy Ham and Chuck Ely and on and on, guys who could play in the NFL without question didn't get the opportunity 
so that so the CFL was a haven for them, and the CFL was better for it. I mean, it was these guys were great, um, a lot of them, and um, so you know the CFL it was so talented. Right now, we have a in the CFL a dearth of of top quarterbacks uh, because the NFL has changed its uh, crazy thinking, and now it. And now it, you know, gives opportunities to good black quarterbacks to play. And, you know, it's a touchy subject, but it absolutely happened. And I think the CFL was more talented back then. Anyway, I just thought I'd get that off my chest. Absolutely. Hey, Marty, I'm 51. So that 83 Argo team is special because growing up, I started liking them in the 70s and they were the lovable losers and the Argo bounce meant the team screwed up back then and would lose games. And the 82 team, I really thought the 82 team, I'm not making excuses, but they did beat the Eskimos in 82 in August at Exhibition Stadium. And I think if that great cop the weather wasn't so bad i i really think that weather impacted the argos run and shoot offense under mouth davis and yeah. obelovich and holloway i really think they could have won that great cup in 82 well you bring back memories but i remember that so so fondly i was right there with you know with you um and it was uh it was a very good team i mean warren moon had a good game that game right 82 oh yes Oh, so yeah. Oh, don't guys, get me wrong. No disrespect to the Eskimos or the Elks. Uh, they were a great team. I just thought as an Argo fan back in 83 or 82 that the team could have um, won, especially when Emmanuel Tolbert had that, uh, what, 86-yard touchdown catch uh, yeah. to make it 7-1. to one. They got off to a good start. And then, yeah. Wow. That brings back a memory. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, and Emmanuel Tolbert's had some problems since his uh, career. Yes, That's I've heard. Story. Yes. That's another story. But uh, to me, the 83 team, uh, to me, being an 11-year-old kid, is still going to be my favorite Grey Cup. Not that I don't love all the Grey Cup championships. It's just because my my late father was still alive, and uh, I got to watch him. I got to witness him winning a Grey Cup for the first time in 31 long years with my late father. And just those teams. And and, and you know what, too, Marty? I don't mean to ramble on. Um, right you now, with this... With the stability of this team, with Pinball Clements, Dinwiddie, the coaching staff, uh, John Murphy, it reminds me of the stability they had in the 80s with Bob Obilovich and Ralph Sagio, and and they had really good, solid program in the 1980s for the most part. Well, well, they did because they won, as you said. But uh, I think this team is more stable. (laughs) And I'm not taking a shot at... Obilovich, heaven knows I did plenty of that in the old days. Um, but, I mean, he was a very, very good, solid coach. I think Sazio had a rocky way of running things. He wouldn't, you know, let him rest in peace. He would not be able to get away with the kinds of things and the kinds of treatment he gave players uh, in this day and age. And I think I think Pinball Clemens, Michael Clemens, understands uh, contemporary athletes. I think he knows how to deal with every, he's a, he's a, an incredible human being. He's the real deal. I've seen a lot of phonies over the years. Michael pinball Clemens is the real deal and he knows how to deal with these guys. And I think he gets the most out of them. I mean, I didn't think Ryan Dinwiddie was a good coach. I, I, I had no idea. 
I, I the only thing I remember about Ryan Dinwiddie went, before he came to the Argos was that he came out of nowhere to fill in for I think it was an injured Kahari Jones in a Grey Cup game, two thousand and seven. Yeah, wasn't and, it? and I remember I remember that them going on and on about how Dinwiddie was was a really good quarterback and he was going to win that Grey Cup. Well, he didn't win, did he? Did no. Dinwiddie? <laughs> and I I don't know. I just didn't think that he was going to be that qualified a coach he's turned out to be a darn good coach and in a fairly low-key manner i think and i think that's the thing with pinball i remember once pinball and i were doing a tv show and you know i was we were having a little bit of a disagreement on this show it was live and you know all of a sudden he just said i can't imitate him but he said you know marty you don't have to scream to make your point just relax. <laughs> and, and it was right on the air. And he was right. He was absolutely right. You know, <laughs> so he has a way of, of settling down his players and his coaches. And I think he contributes a lot more than we all know to that success. Absolutely. And Marty, um, I'm 51 trying to get into radio in a new career and the C CFL and the Toronto Argonauts organization, uh, pinball Clements, Chris Belinovich and the uh, entire, the, the entire organization, uh, they treat me like a part of the team. I'm all, all I'm Amazing. also a first, I'm a first time season ticket holder as well, but, uh, just for my media work and being able to do live interviews with coaches and players and, and pinball comes up and gives me a hug. And it's like, as much as I love the NFL, who yeah. am I going to get a hall of fame player and a no. general manager coming up to me and hugging me? You won't. He's the real deal. I mean, a lot of the other guys we mentioned in the CFL, even during our conversation here, Chris and Nick, um, are first-class guys like Henry Burris and some of the others we've mentioned. They're great guys, too. Uh, but Michael Pinball Clemens is an exceptional, not only football guy, but human being. And, okay, it's enough. I, I, I don't want to go on and on, but, Chris, actually, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to hear that uh, he and the organization treat you well because – I think this organization deserves so much more recognition and kudos than it gets. And it actually bothers me to the point where I get upset that the mm -hmm. Blue Jays and the Raptors particularly get hyped so much and oh, yes. are so beloved. And the Argos, who are the best team in Toronto, best professional sports team in Toronto, without question, don't get that kind of uh, recognition and it bothers the heck out of me. Well, go ahead, Nick. CFL, we're not getting the recognition. I mean, you look at the the CFL awards finals going on right now, and you look at the nominations. All but one category in, uh, for most outstanding Canadian, the East nominee is an Argonauts player. And it seems like throughout the league, there's always some excuse that someone has to not vote for the Toronto player. You don't vote for Chad Kelly because although he has the win record and they and they won with six, they had the playoff. There's the excuse, oh, he doesn't have the stats because they've led most games at halftime, so he hasn't had can win. Adarius Pickett, oh well, he doesn't have the interceptions. Um, Jajon Allen, oh well, he's a Toronto O lineman, even though the Toronto O line's been the best O line in the league. Javon Leak, well, compared to Sean White, Sean White's made every field goal despite kicking at the easiest stadium to kick field goals in the league. 
who? And and Dinwiddie, they make the excuse this year. He 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 should have won it last year with what the, he was able to do with Toronto. And and, yeah. and despite some of the criticism he took, um, um, like we all heard the Dimwit nicknames and the and the we want Kelly instead of McLeod Bethel Thompson, but they still put the record they did. They clinched the East Finals, and the excuse players under him this year that's why he their team is is uh, 16 and 2 it has nothing to do with him and his coaching ability like there just seems to be an excuse that underrates every single uh, Toronto nominee uh, uh, as an excuse to, to not give them a, an award uh, in any other categories I mean I'm not complaining about it because but uh yeah, it, it, it is just frustrating to see where um, in the same in the same situation where the CFL gets undermined by the rest of, of other sports leagues, um, particularly because Toronto has the sports team in every one of these other leagues where other cities don't in Canada. Toronto is the Argonauts are the team that in the same way that the CFL gets mocked by the NFL, the NHL and, and everyone else. Yeah, I mean, you were cutting out on, on me a little bit there, Nick, but from what I heard uh, you say, uh, you make very good points. It is true. Uh, there is no question whatsoever that uh, the Argos don't get the recognition they re they deserve within the league and externally. And I don't know what can be done. I mean, uh, I try. Uh, there's not much that I can do, but I try. And uh, I do know some, you know, really good journalists who do recognize it and try. But for the most part, it doesn't it doesn't happen. And uh, it's a darn shame. That's all I could say. Agreed. Marty and Nick, I wanted to ask you this. The Argonauts really haven't had their own stadium. BMO Field is kind of the FCs. The Sky Dome became the Blue Jays. Exhibition Stadium was originally the Argos until the Blue Jays got there in 77. I know when the Argos were at Varsity Stadium, that was their baby. But do you think having the Argonauts not having really their own true stadium over the years has hurt this franchise as well a little bit? Um. It's a good question again, Chris, but I don't I don't know. I mean, I think BMO Field is a wonderful facility. I mean, yes. I, I love that place. And um, I think watching football there is, for whatever reason, so much better than it was uh, watching it at uh, the Sky Dome or the Rogers Center, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I absolutely uh, think that BMO Field is great. Would its own stadium help? I'm not sure. I, I, that's above my pay grade. I'm not, I really don't know if, if, uh, if that would work or not. Uh, with Toronto real estate, it's above. Pardon? Sorry, with Toronto real estate, it's above the Argos pay grade. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good point, Nick. And I think that's what it comes down to. I, I don't, you know, I'm guessing, I have no idea, but I don't think MLSE wants to invest that kind of money, uh, you know, uh, for the Argos, a stadium for the Argos, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure that that the Argos would like it. I'm sure Pinball Clemens would like it. You know, I'm sure he'd love to have his own stadium, I would think anyway. But uh, I don't know if it would help in terms of drawing crowds, and I really don't think that and this is the time for 
building a, a, a stadium. And there's been a lot of talk about it in the past, but uh, I don't think it's now. I, stay at BMO Field and just people come out. That's all. Absolutely. Marty, last question for you, and then I'll let Nick uh, have a final thought with you. Uh, what were your thoughts on the development and play of quarterback Chad Kelly, who's always had the talent in college football and in the NFL, but he had some baggage coming to trial. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on Chad Kelly. And did you think he would be this good this year? Well, no, I didn't think he would be this good this year. Um, I missed the Grey Cup game last year because – it's the only game, Grey Cup game that I've missed in, I don't know, since I was a teenager. So we're talking about a few years now, um, a few decades. Um, so, And the reason I missed it was it was my brother's son's wedding, my nephew's wedding. So uh, I didn't see Kelly come in off the bench. Um, and, you know, I saw the, the highlights and, uh, you know, ran through the recording quickly, but um, I heard he, you know, had a, a very good game or, or very, he played a key role in the Grey Cup victory last year. Uh, when I uh, heard about uh, Bethel, what is his name again? I forgot. <laughs> Bethel, Bethel Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, Bethel Thompson leaving the Argos. I never thought much of him as a I know he I know he was pretty effective, but he was a journeyman in my mind. And um when he left, it didn't phase me. Uh and I thought, well, give Kelly an opportunity. Did I think he'd be this good? No. I don't think anyone did. I didn't think he was he was gonna be this solid, despite what happened in the Grey Cup game last year. But he's been unbelievable. Um, and you know what? I'll tell you something else. If he got hurt, and I don't wish that upon him or anybody, but if he got injured in the next couple of games, I was very impressed with Dukes. Kelly and I, Dukes, yes. I thought, here's a guy who can play. Now, I don't know where the Argos and pinball and whoever is responsible for him found him, as I don't think he played at a great the, school. The, the, the Arena League in Vegas, I believe. I interviewed ah. Cameron Dukes here at the University of Guelph. Good kid. Good. I shouldn't call him kid. But uh, I guess they uh, reached out to the Argos and they liked his video footage. And they brought really? him and his agent in. Yes. So he played and in the Arena League. That's Vegas. very interesting. Well, he can run. He's got a decent arm. And he looks like a good leader. So, I mean, here's another guy who I think probably could start on a few teams in the CFL. As I mentioned before, there's a dearth of top-notch quarterbacks in the league right now, as you know, I think. Uh, he, I think he could start. Um, I think he would be good, too. Uh, Kelly's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I, I really enjoy watching him. I think he's – and he's definitely a good leader. And I, I like a lot of those guys. I think Ouellette's terrific. I mean, the, the Argos have very good players. He just – they're just not household names yet. Nick, final thoughts for Marty before we let him go. Um, I guess let's just keep this simple. Now that we know what the what the uh, playoffs are going to be like now in the second round, um, uh, what's your predictions for uh, Montreal and Toronto and BC and Winnipeg? Who do you have picked on the spot if you had to? Okay, well, Nick, I I, I am gonna you know I take the Argos. 
Um, and uh, I think, you know, so I th- I don't see any reason to think that they won't continue their st- winning streak against the Alouettes. That's my opinion. Uh, although I agree with, I think, what both of you said in our conversation here, that the Alouettes have improved. I just think the Argos are in, a, in, in the East or in a league by themselves. I do think it'll be a rematch of last year's Great Cup game. I, th- I, I At this moment, and I may change my view uh, once I see the spread and everything else, but uh, I think the Bombers are a very strong team. I think Oliveira is a an, an amazing running back, a guy who can get you 10 yards whenever you want. They've got guys like Dembski and I mean, and these guys are Canadian, you know, so they're, it's really, they're really quite uh, amazing. Um, you know, and then they have, they have weapon after weapon. I mean, Sean, and I mean, th- these guys can play and I'm not even mentioning Calaris, who's become a very good quarterback in Winnipeg after a bit of a journeyman career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, Unless Vernon Adams lights it up again like he did today against Calgary, but again, as I said earlier, these are different teams, Calgary and Winnipeg. So I think the I think it'll be a Winnipeg, Toronto rematch in the Grey Cup game. Yeah, given the sort of underwhelming uh, uh, game it was in the regular season with Toronto and Winnipeg after they already clinched, I think everybody seems to be seething and dying for the 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 rematch between them at the Grey Cup. It's just it just seems to be written in in paper right now that everybody wants to see that game. So I'm hoping for that kind of a result as well. I think it would make for an exciting and and. Assuming that these two teams get by next week, uh, get by their opponents next week, I would imagine the Argonauts would be favored in uh, for the Grey Cup game. And last year they won as underdogs against the uh, Blue Bombers. This year, just going to say it, this year they're the favorites. Not so sure that they will. They could beat Winnipeg in the Grey Cup game. Not sure. Marty, we're going to wrap this up. Are you going to be at the game at BMO Field next Saturday? Uh, yeah, I probably will be. Yeah, I uh, think. Okay, take well, a I'm going to be there as a fan. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I, I could have done media work, but I decided I want to go as a fan so I can have a beer and sit in Section 115, <laughs> roll 10 seat 2 with my friend Tim. And I can see Nick and his family as well. So, Marty, uh, hopefully I'll run into you there. And I'm really looking forward to this East Final. I'm hoping the weather will be good and they yeah. get at least 22, 23,000 at BMO Field. At least. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the same. And I hope you and Tim have a great time at the game. And Nick, it was a pleasure talking to you as well. Same here, Marty. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Marty, and where can my uh, audience or our audience follow you on social media? Oh, uh, so I all I do these days, you know, I have another job these days. I'm a director okay. of communications for a charity. Uh, okay. And but I, uh, I you can follow me on uh, on X at uh, at Marty York. At okay. Marty. Okay, definitely. But Marty, hey, I want I want to say thank you so much for coming on here tonight. I will send you an audio and video copy of our show, and you have an open invite to come back again on as a guest in the future as well. Thanks, Chris. I enjoyed it very much. Have a great thank night. Thank you so much. Thank you so thank much, you. Marty. See ya. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
All right, Nick, uh, final thoughts on our guest tonight, Marty York, uh, former sports journalist with the Globe and Mail, TSN, Sportsnet, Metro newspapers across Canada. Yeah, it was great to have Marty's insight, someone who's clearly been a in the same level that that he was um now as he as he was back then but um it's all it's always really fun to have a guest like him come on and offer some insights and and uh bringing that perspective of what it was like to um to work with guys like uh, pinball and henry burris um talking to scott milanovic and uh, anthony calvio and guys like that so um especially speculating moving forward in the off season who could possibly fill those roles in. So, um, yeah, lots lots of fun to talk about that. And just some more positive news before we wrap this up. The CFL, I, I got this off a of third down nation by Jason, Justin Dunk. I like to credit him. And uh, the CFL regular season TV ratings have increased over 11% in 2023 on TSN. And uh, I think that's great news. And that also is probably from live streaming as well. And I, I do think the CFL is making steps into uh, uh, getting more exposure for the league. And, and it's great that the attendance is up. The TV ratings is up as well. Especially in in places like uh, Toronto, where we've we've kind of struggled the last little while over over attendance and, and viewership. I remember them talking just about um, someone talking about just Toronto uh, uh, viewage numbers and how much they have spiked. So it's really good to see that that like yeah, in some of the the most dense markets, um, places like Saskatchewan where they haven't. But even in places like Hamilton this year, it's risen up. So it's it's really exciting to see and that, that, that the league is growing um, out of COVID and we're basically back to where we were uh, pre-COVID. So um, it's just getting back back to where we were, where we're there now, and just keep focused on building those numbers and trying to grow our game. Hopefully, um, with the way like the Touchdown Atlantic went, I think it brought something like $11 million of revenue in the Halifax area. So uh, using Inspire bringing a team there, if we can do that, get that 10th team in, balance the East and West, and use that moving forward. I think it's those little steps that that can be built towards that big jump and then and then hopefully just find a little bit more stability going forward. What are you looking forward towards this uh, Eastern final game uh, this Saturday, uh, November 11th at three o'clock? And uh, what do you what, what kind of a score do you see between the Argos and Alouettes? And maybe just get your prediction on the BC Winnipeg game before we wrap this up. Yeah, I think I think the uh, game could both games could very well be uh, um, dominated by the home team. I think when you um, both teams won their home matchups, um, respective matchups like this uh, last or earlier this season. So um, I, I think Toronto does have the ability to run away with this one. They there are better defense than Hamilton's and and Fajardo. While they won the game, they didn't put up that many points or that spectacular numbers. So I think the the Argos. The big difference is the Argos D is far more capable at shutting down Standback. His his best game. I think he had uh, something like twelve carries for fifty some odd yards. So. Um, uh, they're they're much better at shutting down that running game, and and Fajardo isn't necessarily as adept 
road. So um, it, it could lead Toronto to run away with this one early. And the same thing with Winnipeg and uh, BC. Um, BC has does look good this week, and they've they've had some good games, but they also put up a stinker in Winnipeg. And I think between both stadiums having really loud loud crowds, Toronto and Winnipeg. You know that uh, Winnipegers don't don't aren't afraid of the cold or wet weather, so they're going to be there in force. And I think Toronto fans are going to going to put on a big loud show as well. So um, I'm expecting both uh, Toronto and Winnipeg to win rather handedly against their opponents. That would be my that would be my prediction. Okay, well, I'll give you my predictions before we wrap this up. And before I give our predictions, I want to say thank you to everyone watching this live streamed on Facebook, LinkedIn. My YouTube channel, please subscribe there if you already haven't had to. Uh, Twitch and on Twitter slash X. And this show will be aired on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. My predictions for these games, I've got Toronto winning 30-20 to 20 over Montreal. 30-20 to 20 over Montreal. I think it's good. The score is going to be a little bit closer than people think. 10-point win for the Argonauts. And then the West Final... I think it's going to be a shootout. I, I could be wrong. It could be a defensive battle, but I'm going to go with Winnipeg 37, BC 34. And to put numbers, I'd probably put something in the ballpark of 30 to 10 um, for Toronto and Winnipeg for both of the their games. I think I don't I I can't remember. I haven't compared it, but Toronto, I don't think they've scored less than 30 points a game at home. I think you're right about that nick yeah I guess we'll have to research it but i think you're right but i just think the argos will win by 10 and i think winnipeg will beat bc by three but bc's proven they can win in winnipeg and i just think bc's got a very good team and uh we'll see what happens but i'm really looking forward to the east final and uh nick for our audience uh where can get where what's the best place for them to get tickets uh for uh, the game on saturday in toronto the Toronto Argonauts website, if, if worse than you got to do it by phone, 416-341-ARGO is the uh, company uh, phone number. Um, but yeah, I think in the north, so if you want to sit, I think the only tickets left are in the north side, which are around the ballpark of 30 to $40, I think. Uh, temporary seats underneath the scoreboard um, so they're a bit cheaper but you uh, might not have the best view of the scoreboard but you're also more involved in the game and then uh, the east side is that upper deck area starting from I think the uh, the first six rows right now and they'll probably add more if, if those tickets get sold and I think those are running around $60 a ticket so they're they're very inexpensive very affordable um, and uh yeah, I encourage you all to go if you if you haven't been to a game this year or ball. Um, yeah, I would suggest that for the best value, send that upper east deck. It's 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 a great during the Grey Cup in uh, 2016 when uh, Ottawa beat Calgary. You know, it, it was a it was a great experience there. So. Okay, and if you can't get down to the game, you can check out the CFL website at cfl.ca. The game will be live streamed as well. And also, you can watch the game on TSN. I'm assuming it'll be Rod Smith and Dwayne Ford for this game. I'm assuming. And on TSN, on the radio, uh, 1050 with Mike Hogan and Ben Grant, who do a great job doing the Argos games on the radio as well. Hey, Nick, uh, 
I'm going to be coming as a fan, so I will be able to have a beer with you. I'll be able to talk with you, and I'll be able to see uh, the guy that sits beside me, Tim, in Section 115. And um, I'm really looking forward to this game, and it's been a great season. Uh, my first time as a season ticket holder, and they go 16-2. and two, So, of course, Nick, I've got to renew my season tickets uh, for next year as well. Maybe maybe it's the Chris Palme factor as well. I'm just kidding on that. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely see you again, and and uh, yeah, getting to, to enjoy an experience and embrace the 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 last uh, Argos home game uh, of the year now, and hopefully uh, seeing you at the Great Cup. Uh, well, I'm going to be there regardless, but it would definitely be extra special yeah. to have the Argonauts come back there for it. And fingers crossed they get approved for a great cup media pass. Fingers yeah. crossed. But Nick, we'll definitely we'll see you this Saturday at BMO Field and we'll definitely have a beer together in the stands. And I'm looking forward to a great game. Argos Alouettes, three o'clock on Saturday. And then it's gonna be BC at Winnipeg at 6.30. Should be another great day of football games and looking forward to it. And I want to say thank you to Marty York again for coming on tonight as a, as a special guest. And thank you, everybody, for watching this live streamed and also on our audio platforms. And you can also follow Nick and I on Twitter, uh, myself at Christy Palme on Twitter. And Nick, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Nick underscore small underscore 38. Perfect. Well, Nick, have a great night. Get some sleep. Make sure you change your clock back an hour behind with the daylight savings yep. time change. Uh, everybody here in Ontario or in the States. And uh, we'll see you for ep episode 16. Hopefully to talk about an Argos Eastern Championship win and going back to the Grey Cup. Fingers crossed. But again, thank you, Nick, for coming on. Marty York for coming on. And uh, WQ. Go Argos. WE WQEE 99.1 FM for having us on as well. Have a great night, Nick. And as always, I'm going to say this like Chad Kelly does. Go Argos. Go Argos. Good night, everybody. And thanks for tuning in to the Argo Bounce live audio show with Nick Small and myself, Chris Palme. We'll see you after the Eastern final and hopefully another Argo victory. Good night, everybody. Go Argos.
Until they reach the 